Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 69 of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, and today's guest is Marco Rodriguez, the VP of Products and Solutions at Volterra. He joins me today to talk about the future of edge computing, including the effects and adoption of distributed cloud computing and distributed application management. Marco comes from a deep background in networking, telco, cloud architectures, and applications. And before joining Volterra, he was the VP of Solutions Architecture at Juniper and managed the architecture design and deployment of clouds at AT AT&T Mobility, Deutsche Telekom, GE, Workday, and many others. To give you a little background on Volterra, they are a platform for distributed cloud services where you can deploy, connect, secure, and operate applications across the edge and multi-cloud. So this conversation is really interesting because we talk a lot about different topics that we actually do not cover too much. When we get, we've always obviously spoken a lot about edge computing, but talking a little bit more about distributed cloud computing and distributed application management, I think shares um, a lot of insightful information that will be very relevant to a lot of you out there. Um, But other than that, please enjoy this episode with Marco Rodriguez from Volterra. Welcome, Marco, to the IoT for All show. How are things going on your end? Uh, They're doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's glad to have you here. Can you, um, I think the best way to start this off would be to have you to give a quick overview, uh, kind of introduction about yourself to our audience and talk a little bit more about you as a person and um, kind of your story of, of, of getting to where you are now. Sure, right on. Uh, no problem, Ryan. Uh, so uh, me as an individual, currently um, I'm a VP of Products and Solutions at Volterra. Um, before that, uh, I spent quite a bit of time uh, actually running uh, various different uh, uh, parts of the organization and part of different teams at Juniper Networks. Uh, there, um, I was uh, pretty much went through a whole gamut of uh, essentially being in the sales organization, working uh, hands-on in uh, the implementation and deployment of various large-scale projects, mostly in the service provider space. So, like uh, mainly, I supported AT and T originally, so I got to see a lot of large deployments there and see to scale and mainly my role there i was a distinguished engineer and chief architect for the at&t account Uh, so i got to see a lot of different uh large-scale challenges that service providers brought uh, along with some large enterprises as well uh, as i kind of moved and shifted to some of the cloud-based service offerings that juniper uh, later offered so um that's kind of me at the, I guess, at the career level. So uh, at a personal level, you know, in terms of IoT space, there's always kind of a two-pronged approach in my view. There's always the personal interest, aka the consumer interest, and then obviously the professional interest. Uh, I mean, as far back as I can remember, you know, I was uh, dinking around with, uh, you know, 480p cameras that had a two gig, uh, two gig flash card on there, um, SD cards back then with a, a really simple FTP server. And I created kind of my homegrown uh, Nest-like solution. Uh, that was like at least 15 years ago when I recall. Uh, Whereas on the professional side, you know, when I worked with uh, like a large company like AT&T, I saw them, you know, go through various different uh, IoT related projects on their uh, mobile side. Everything from the simple 3G, uh, you know, the e-readers uh, uh, you see at scale today from 4G to some of the later projects with like NBIoT and uh, LTEM as an example. So kind of kind of see a, a, I saw or been exposed to kind of a breadth of all those kinds yeah, of things. Very, very cool. Uh, it's an awesome background. Um, so talk, can you talk a little bit more about Volterra and kind of what you all do in the IOT space, the role you play, kind of your overall philosophy on IOT and just kind of, you know, any, anything to kind of give some context to from the company perspective. Sure. Right on. I mean, to, to peel it back just a bit, you know, in terms of IOT, IOT, we see it as being pervasive mm-hmm. and ultimately uh, you got the simple IOT devices, then you got the much more complicated uh, devices where they generate a tremendous amount of data. Ultimately that data will fuel uh, what we believe 
believe is the modern uh, modern organization moving forward, right? The, and uh, g- gathering insights from that data and being able to process it. Companies who can do that mm-hmm. at scale and move quickly will be the ones who can actually transform themselves versus the others. Uh, so that's kind of the, the thesis. But in terms of a company, if you look at our mission statement, it's ultimately, uh, you know, is to enable cloud for everyone everywhere. So what does that mean? Ultimately, what we mean is uh, we believe the next critical infrastructure for any modern organization will be cloud mm-hmm. services. And as a company, we're determined to kind of deliver access to cloud. And by cloud, I mean anywhere. It can be a public cloud, private cloud, uh, uh, an edge cloud. Edge can be, uh, you know, a CPE device sitting in in the premises of a retail store or in the manufacturing line uh, and being able to do that using our distributed cloud Very platform. Very cool. Okay. So when you're engaging with customers and talking with customers, that kind of thing, what's a typical customer engagement look like? Like, what are they coming to you for? Are they coming to you directly? Are they coming through partner introductions? You know, what does that kind of engagement look like for our audience who um, you know, would, would consider working with, with your organization in some capacity. Sure. I mean, uh, uh, it's actually, uh, you have various different channels. Uh, typically you have the system, uh, there's already a, a variety of different enterprises who are already working with, uh, systems integrators and they're comfortable with that. And there's certain parts of the region where, uh, that's typically the norm. Uh, we have some customers who come directly to us as well because we are a SaaS offering. Uh, you can, it's as simple as going to our website or, or it will be when we officially, uh, launch publicly. Uh, well, we've launched as a company, the actual offerings in terms of a self-serve point of view, it's still an invite only. You have to request a demo, but eventually you'll be able to go online and do everything yourself. But the idea is it's all self-serve. So yet we have direct uh, engagements uh, and typically through channel and partner as well. Channel partner is is where we're seeing a lot of the traction initially, mainly because those customers are in different unique verticals and those SIs and partners are, are obviously tuned to addressing those needs as well. So we work closely with them to make sure we help build platforms and solutions uh, for their customers through them to ensure, you know, uh, either either reducing operational costs or, you know, um, you know, addressing some of the application needs as well. Uh, so there's different, uh, that's from an engagement gotcha. point of view. Okay. Very yeah. cool. So, um, one of the things I, I read is that your organization empowers enterprises to move applications to to the edge in a secure manner. So if you're trying to talking to, to a potential customer or just our audience in general, I guess, what are the benefits of doing that? What are the benefits of moving an application to the edge? Obviously, being secure is, is, always, is always the way to go. But um, moving an application to the edge based on where it regularly sits, what are the benefits of doing so? And why are companies choosing to do this now? Sure. So... Um I think, um, so maybe I can, uh, uh, I'll ground it a bit, uh, not to jump into the use, a use case now, but the use case is always helpful to articulate some of the business needs that some of the companies we're seeing have and why processing the data at the edge is important to them. So to give you an example, you know, one of, uh, if you look at any enterprise, uh, uh, I don't want to say any, but most enterprises that have some type of physical presence, whether it's in the retail space, manufacturing, um, you know, restaurants, uh, et cetera, um, you know, they, they have this need for automation. Uh, there's a lot of interest around that. And I, I actually believe the automation uh, trend has been accelerated given the, the recent challenges that the, that the world is facing. Uh, but ultimately, if you just look at, uh, for example, a manufacturer, uh, you know, 
what does a manufacturer want to do? So there's one customer we worked with where uh, their need as a manufacturer, because uh, they, you know, their their business was building batteries, as an example. <laughs> so uh, based on that, uh, you know, there was a need to measure. So what does that mean? You know, uh, you want to measure the data. Uh, so you'd have all these cameras pointing at each station at each. Uh, so you have various, typically like a, a 20 plus uh, different stations in each line, many lines in a manufacturing plant. The, the, the what we call the, uh, the uh, analytical feedback, it was, there's a multi-step process for them. So the need for processing data was to measure the data, process and analyze the data. Uh, and then based on that, make a quick decision, whether it's, uh, you know, this item uh, is is outside its parameters and needs to be discarded. Uh, then you want to send and store that data uh, back to some private cloud or public cloud so you can process the data. So you can then learn and plan, meaning since you run some ML against it to tune your models, and then you want to distribute that infer inference again. So as a company, you're like, hey, I just realized the combination of the, you know, station four and eight, that they were close to their parameters. They weren't outside the parameters because they were close within the parameters. But the combination mm -hmm. of the two resulted in a bad battery, as an example. So my yield went up. Uh, let me tune my model and then redeploy gotcha. that model back onto the edge. Uh, so and then this whole cycle is kind of a rinse and repeat. So that's an example of a, a manufacturing uh, use case where the need there to process the data near real time is is uh, quite important to their business because they want to lower the yields and reduce operational cost. So before this was done and before edge computing was, you know, kind of gaining popularity, how are organizations handling this kind of situation or were they really just kind of not really being able to deploy certain technology because the technology wasn't mature enough to handle those kinds of situations? So it, uh, typically, so you, you either have, um, so to give you uh, maybe another example, right? Um, I, I love examples. Um, <laughs> so one, uh, one story um, was around uh, uh, EV charging, actually. So okay. they, this, this uh, OEM, uh, OEM manufacturer, uh, they had a business need to collect high definition mapping data for, for a city. They decided to retrofit most of the taxis um, uh, that they were doing the electrification. Uh, and since the amount of data being generated was quite large, they decided at each of the charging stations uh, would be the perfect location to collect the data and process it there. So you have all these mini clouds essentially at every EV charging station. Uh, the challenge with that, of course, is most of the solutions were either inbuilt or via some system integrator, which was a combination of different software vendors, a networking vendor, an API gateway, uh, then another fleet management solution. And then you have to throw in a load balancing vendor and then a firewall vendor. So this this ultimately complicated the overall solution because you had high TCO, right? Because you have multiple vendors. In this case, there were seven in, in, this, in this example. The software integration across those seven vendors um, and then the tooling was very different as well uh, between all the vendors. And then ultimately, how do you operate this stuff, right? The end-to-end -end policy and observability across different vendors, different configuration elements, not only increase the operational complexity, but it, it introduced security challenges as well. So, um, so there, there, when we came in, right, we were able to uh, identify uh, the fact that uh, all these services can be condensed and integrated to a single offering uh, that we provide, uh, which is called Volt Mesh, uh, which is able to provide layer three through layer seven services in a single software stack. Uh, and then based on that, we were then able to um, 
offer uh, faster delivery of project rollouts because mm -hmm. we're a SaaS offering. So the moment you install that piece of software, you get all these services. It connects to our cloud, which we have a SaaS running across our own uh, private global backbone. Uh, and then things kind of turn up and they're up and running. And then naturally, we've extended the cloud native tooling that people uh, or developers are used to in the public cloud. You also get that native tooling on the edge as well. And then ultimately, the fact that everything is SaaS managed from our console or what we call Volt console, which is our SaaS offering, you get end to end observability across the infrastructure and applications as well. Interesting. Okay, very cool. So in addition to kind of things moving to the edge, like you, we were talking about a second ago, um, uh, on the applications front, what other changes are you seeing in the way applications... I guess are changing. If that makes sense. Um, like I know you talk a lot about distributed cloud computing. Uh, if you can maybe touch on that and kind of explain to our audience what that exactly is, why it's important, and the role it kind of plays. Sure. So. Um Ultimately, right, uh, if you look at what distributed cloud computing means, right, at least the, the way we've defined it, it's it's being able to distribute applications in any location where the application needs to be closer to the data. And there's reasons for that, because to send that data, say, back to a public cloud infrastructure, it's either cost prohibitive or just physically not possible. Because to give an example, an autonomous vehicle generates gigabytes of data every hour and you just can't, you know, and that's just one vehicle. You, you have to imagine you can't send that on your LTE channel, uh, right. for example. So uh, distributed cloud computing ultimately means being able to distribute an application where I need it to be distributed, but to ensure that it can securely communicate to other applications uh, and being able to enforce a set of security policies for that. That's one. Mm -hmm. Two, when you deploy those applications anywhere, uh, you need to be able to make sure the infrastructure is there. By infrastructure, what I mean is the, the connectivity elements. So whether, you know, I, I have a router in some form or a firewall or a load balancer. Today, those are typically discrete software elements that have to be kind of put together by a team, typically like a NetOps team, uh, and then managed by the, uh, the, the team as well. Uh, then the challenge, of course, there is assume that infrastructure is fungible and simple to consume the application itself. So I'm a developer fresh out of college saying, hey, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I've I've specialized in this specific industry. Let's just say it's media, for example. Right, okay. I, I know I know how to take data and create all these models and I know what uh, Python is and I can process the data. But uh, you're telling me now I have to deploy this model in uh, 5000 stores in order to say better count the people coming in and out so we can have more effective targeted marketing campaigns. Uh, you're telling, you know, so you don't want these developers to have to learn and understand how the infrastructure works as well. So uh, from a distributed cloud point of view, what you have to make easier for the consumer and consumer in this case are the developers uh, is to be able to consume that infrastructure quite simply. So as part of our distributed cloud solution, uh, specifically what we call distributed application management is a developer can actually deploy an app in, in, a, quite, uh, in a quite unique way in that you can, they only deploy it once, but it can be replicated to tens of thousands of locations uh, without them knowing. They only use uh, abstract concepts that we call labels in order to determine where those applications get placed. Gotcha. Okay. Very interesting. So on the um, one other thing I, I saw on your website, which was an interesting kind of concept, I know wanted to have you explain a little bit more. Was um, you talk about distributed application management? So how does that kind of how is that intertwined with with distributed cloud computing? You know, when you're talking also about moving applications more to the edge. Um, I guess kind of taking the same approach as talking about distributed cloud computing, how would you, how do you just kind of describe distributed application management um, and how those kind of work together? Sure. So, uh, so if I was to like uh, visually, uh, you know, think about it, 
uh, distributed cloud computing, uh, there's elements such as the connectivity and infrastructure element, uh, which I spoke to earlier, which is how do I get all, all the infrastructure out to these sites in a zero touch provisioning way and simplifying the lifecycle management. And that's typically the NetOps and DevOps teams. Now, once you've simplified that aspect, um, how do you make it easier for the development teams in the different lines of businesses to consume this infrastructure? Okay. And more importantly, do that in an agile way. You don't want a developer to get blocked because uh, they have to open a ticket because the DevOps, NetOps, or even the SecOps teams have to address it. Uh, so uh, the distributed application management solution that we offer is the ability for a, uh, a, a DevOps or SecOps team to create certain uh, certain level of policy and control and isolation for the developers while at the same time ensuring the developer has the flexibility to uh, essentially self-serve certain infrastructure elements. Like I need to expose uh, my application to these 10 sites or these thousand okay. sites while at the same time making sure the developer themselves can actually deploy uh, applications in a very frictionless way. So our, our distributed application management solution, essentially with the concept called fleet management, where you they can ascend, we we manage the fleet and a fleet can be 10 devices or 10,000 devices. Uh, we just abstract that concept in a way for the developer to consume in a very native way. Like if they're using Kubernetes as an orchestration platform and they've written a container for their application, it's literally as simple as saying, here's my manifest, deploy my app, here's the Kubernetes endpoint, which is which is our uh, global controller, uh, our SaaS, and then they just deploy and that app gets cool. replicated okay. everywhere. Sounds great. That, that's all really interesting stuff. I'm um, always, this stuff, this stuff is actually pretty new to me as far as understanding exactly how this works. I've heard the concepts here and there and kind of got a little familiar with it reading through your site. So I appreciate kind of the background and better understanding um, with some good examples there to kind of help us through it. Uh, so where in your mind, um, with with distributed cloud computing, distributed application management, and moving a lot of application processing more to the edge, especially on the IoT front, how do you view the adoption of these um, kind of methods and, and technologies in the current state right now? Do, are they heavily adopted? Are they kind of kind of on the are they up and coming as far as being a different adopted different techniques that companies are using? Um, and what's kind of contributing to that adoption from your guys' experience in the market? Sure. So, um, in terms of the current, uh, the current trends that we're seeing now when we engage with customers and when uh, when and why they resonate a lot with the message we bring to them is um, there's clearly a lot. I mean, if you look at your simple IoT devices, you know, that's uh, that's all out there, right? Whether it's going over uh, my Internet connection at home or over a dedicated like LTM connection or NB IoT, uh, that's pretty, pretty well defined and working quite well. Um, the challenge now becomes is that um, is deploying and processing, uh, deploying application processing the data at the edge. Now, if you look at the current market and what solutions there are. Uh, yes, there's there, there's a tradition, you know, right. you have the public cloud vendors, right? You have solutions like Amazon Greengrass, you have Azure IoT Edge, and some of the customers we're working with do have those solutions. And unfortunately or fortunately is their, their application vendors, some of them prefer one platform versus the other, where we come in and help in that situation, for example, is where we can run the uh, Greengrass stack or the Azure IoT stack uh, 
on the infrastructure at their edge. And so we've simplified the, uh, the fleet management of the actual infrastructure. Uh, we call it multi, multi-cloud edge. And that way they, you know, w- one customer we're working with is they, they, they have different apps written in different environments so they can support both say a green grass environment, Azure IOT environment. And more importantly, they have the, uh, the ability to also run other apps as well uh, in their own dedicated namespace because our solution is entirely multi-tenanted. They can securely have this isolated uh, networking mm-hmm. and, and security space that's kind of carved out for the these vendors. So that's, uh, but that, that kind of gets them halfway because ultimately there's all these tools out there uh, where people, if the, if the organization is large enough and they have an appetite for it and they have the resources for it, clearly, yes, I throw lots of people at the problem and potentially they can solve it in a, uh, in, in, in a large scale way. Unfortunately, uh, the enterprises who have this need, but can't, you know, can hire a 500 uh, man team, DevOps team or NetOps team to manage this large scale fleet infrastructure and putting all the pieces together uh, is just not feasible for a lot of these organizations. So a lot of them are looking for a kind of consumable SaaS driven turnkey solution for distributed cloud platform. And that's where we're seeing a lot of the the appeal come in because they don't want to have to deal with five or six different vendors. Uh, you know, not only does the price, price tag go up, goes right. up, the operational complexity of all this just starts to skyrocket and become just unmanageable. Very interesting. Okay, great. How, so how do you think kind of over time this will, um, the adoption will increase, you know, what, what's it going to kind of take for companies to, to really start kind of going down this path with, with all their applications and kind of making it more of an industry standard, if you will? Um, well, there's a couple of ways of, uh, of answering that, I guess, from, from uh, an application delivery uh, point of view, I, I think the world is kind of converging on Kubernetes as the orchestration mechanism to do that. Uh, sure. Naturally, there's some application vendors who have to either rewrite or port their applications to a container-based uh, environment to make it easier to deploy here. But also, you obviously have to consider the fact that there's always going to be applications that are legacy and those are running. So that that so the application ecosystem. Uh, will evolve over time and uh, a good solution will support both, which ours does. Our Volt Mesh and Volt Stack offering uh, supports both. Um, I would I, I think what naturally you're going to see in the next couple of years and s- some industries are, are already down this path and some of them have learned it the hard way. Some are yet to be there. But from an adoption standpoint, I think I, I, I've, li- I've lived it myself personally as a consumer and, and as a vendor helping sell these services and software is the day zero stuff is always great. You can always do a POC with a few things running in a controlled environment. I mean, I've, se- I've seen hundreds of successful POCs to like leadership teams, board members, execs. The day one stuff becomes a bit more challenging, but typically can be delivered if you have like a beast of an execution team. Um, okay. The unexpected cost ultimately is the day two stuff. Like how do I keep this stuff up and running and, you know, and secure, right? And this is where I think that, you know, keeping the lights on for uh, for an infrastructure is is just not easy. Uh, you know, the, the co- there's always an un, unmeasured uh, operational and CapEx cost that's hidden there. And to do that at scale uh, is extremely difficult. And the companies, there's gonna be some companies who can do that because they have the resources for it. But in order to enable uh, a much larger market of the small to medium sized companies who do have this need, um, it's going to be tough for them. And that's where I think the adoption over time uh, for these companies uh, will be twofold is the applications, which a lot of them are already doing a good job of kind of migrating to this container native environment with essentially cloud native edge uh, or cloud native tooling and application delivery. The second uh, kind of chip to fall, I think, is the consolidation of all these services into a single stack and software offering that's driven by a SaaS element. And uh, that's what uh, what I believe will ultimately drive more and more of these companies 
uh, to consume these kind of infrastructures. And of course, the business need. The business need is yeah, there. Sure. Now, and that's that should be obvious where, you know, if I don't transform, if I don't get the, for example, in smart retail for digital signage or for people counting, or uh, in some cases, I, I, I would not be shocked if there isn't any local or state level uh, mandates post COVID-19 where you have automatic uh, thermal counting of people coming in and out of the stores uh, and reporting that to local authorities when they need to, or even just to make your customers feel welcome, right? More, more secure if you want to get back to a normal world. So that's yet another application in this infrastructure. So speaking of COVID, how are you seeing kind of um, from your guys' perspective uh, in the area that you play in, how you see COVID kind of influencing customers, the market, and what changes you kind of expect to see over time because of this? It's, it's uh, quite interesting. So there's two aspects. As a company, we'll be announcing it in uh, in about two weeks. Uh, next week, actually, uh, May, uh, sometime next week, I believe, uh, near the end of next week, uh, where we quickly took an element of kind of a core security offering, uh, which we called uh, we're calling Volt Share. That will uh, actually we took uh, how essentially how we've. Uh, uh, allowed, allows not the right word, how we've really created a unique application to application uh, security element and how we manage that policy and identity. We took that element and created a standalone application to help essentially all these consumers and enterprises share private data now that everyone's working from home. So that's a separate element where we're just trying to contribute back to the COVID-19. Now to to, to go back to your original question, which is how how is COVID-19 just impacting the the behavioral uh, aspects of all these organizations? I mean, there's different ways of slicing and dicing it. For example, uh, the reason why a lot of the the uh, test centers didn't come up where they needed to was exactly the reason I explained earlier, which is the complexity of bringing up this infrastructure and the ability for these teams to deploy applications to process, for example, some of the data on site. And that's why it took like a week or you know two weeks to even get some of these testing sites up and running. And that's a more that's a more real and more immediate challenge that we saw. Uh, what I think is going to happen naturally is uh, this uh, this unfortunately will uh, will accelerate a trend that was happening very slowly, which is automation. A mm-hmm. lot of these companies now now that people have been furloughed and gone home, you know, clearly they're clearly going to reevaluate how they uh, streamline and reduce operational costs. So automation will become a major topic, I think, for the next 12 to 18 months. Agreed. Uh, what that what that means is that combined with the fact that from a national security interest, I suspect that there will be more manu- more focus on bringing manufacturing back here, just even for some of the basic stuff. Um, and because of that, you'll see a manufacturing boom probably in the next five to 10 years in, in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and because that boom will just drive new building, uh, ultimately there's gonna be a need to automate that from day one. So there's gonna have to be some distributed cloud platform solutions that have to be built in-house and they're gonna have to move quick. Uh, but. Uh, from the, from that point of view, that's that's interesting. Um, I mentioned earlier there's some customers who are actually looking to streamline how they um, how they thermal image customers coming in and out of their stores because uh, whether they want their customers to feel safe in a restaurant setting, saying you know s- certain people over a certain fever we're just not allowed in here today. It's all very manual. They kind of scan your head here and there, uh, but they want to automate that, for example. So it's interesting. The 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 businesses have pivoted from you know things like people counting. Uh, and, you know, to enhance my overall marketing and, uh, you know, user experience in the store to there's still a need. It's just the applications kind of changed. And um, we're, we're having those kind of conversations as well. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how this kind of plays out and, and the changes, um, not just in the market itself, but how, you know, the different solutions that are out there and are, are being built. I think IoT is a very interesting um 
industry to kind of tackle a lot of those problems. And some of them you just mentioned right there, um, being able to kind of track diseases, you know, monitor the spread, you know, using different kinds of hardware um, to to kind of hopefully prevent spread if something like this ever does happen again. So it'd be very interesting to see how uh, kind of what comes out of out of this unfortunate situation that we're all living in right now. I agree. Um, so to wrap up here, one of the, one of the last things I wanted to ask you was to kind of, um, hear a little bit more about, um, about the company and see what, what else is going on over there as far as anything new and exciting coming out in the next number of months that we should be paying attention to. And if our audience has more questions or looking to kind of get in touch with you all, what's the best way to do that? Sure. So, um, you know, I, I don't think we uh, double clicked on it too much, but, um, you know, as a company, uh, we're very focused on providing a distributed cloud platform, uh, which uh, from a scope point of view, we have, uh, you know, there's four like, kind of four core building blocks. Mm-hmm. Right. One, I kind of hinted at the names when I was speaking uh, throughout this uh, uh, this interview. Right. One is Volt Mesh, which is ultimately think of that as a consolidated zero trust security software stack okay. that uh, you deploy anywhere, either on an Intel Nook sitting sitting at your store with a camera plugged into it or it's running in your AWS VPC instance. Um, And then that connects to the cloud. Uh, the cloud meaning our SaaS, which uh, we call Volt Console. Then there's something called Volt Stack, which is the distributed application management uh, offering, infrastructure and application management offering, which uh, we spoke to earlier. Uh, so that's so you th- think of it as two core offerings: Volt Mesh, Volt Stack, Volt Console. Uh, because we're very much focused, uh, as I kind of hinted at earlier. Um, uh, you know, I'm I'm obsessed with day two stuff because I've lived it. Mm-hmm. Right uh, again, day day zero day zero pox is are, is always great to seed ideas, and those are fine. I'm not discouraging that, but there's always an element of how do I get this stuff to operationalize at scale, right. and that's why SaaS is just this this foundational uh, business model now because. Uh, you know, everyone is realizing, hey, just let me outsource most of the most of the dirty work to the experts and let me focus on my business. So based on that, that thesis, we've we, we have a SaaS driven distributed cloud platform, which the software, the, the product offering for that is called Volt Console. So think of Volt Mesh, Volt Stack connects to our Volt Console offering. Um, and of course, uh, we what we do also have is across uh, 20 pops in 13 cities around the world, we have our own private backbone as well. So we uh, we have uh, essentially dark fiber and this multi terabit capacity that we built out uh, over the last uh, 18 months or so. So if anyways, if people want more information, of course, uh, you can always go to our website at Volterra.io or you can just reach out to me. I'm, I'm Marco at uh, Volterra.io. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate your time, Marco. This has been great. Um, you got to talk about a lot of a lot of new things that our audience, um, our audience is relatively familiar on the edge side as far as we talk a lot about edge computing and the value of doing so. But talking about distributed cloud computing and um, uh, kind of you know distributed application management and those kinds of things, I think you guys are doing a lot of really interesting kind of cutting edge stuff that our audience would be kind of silly not to take notice of and and hopefully reach out and engage with you all. Um, so so we'll do everything we can to promote it on our end because I think it's really fascinating what you all have going on over there. Great. Appreciate that, Ryan. Thanks for thanks for having me today. It was uh, great to talk with you and your audience. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we appreciate it as well. Um, good luck with everything going on with, with, with the with COVID and stuff. Hopefully you're staying safe and uh, hopefully we can have you back on the podcast maybe sometime later this year, early next year, talk about kind of the new happenings over there at your company. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. All right. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Yep. 
Thank you all for listening to this episode of the IoT for All podcast with our guest, Marco Rodriguez of Volterra. I hope you found a lot of value in our conversation today. And if you did, we'd really appreciate it if you would leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Feel free to also subscribe to us directly on a podcast directory or on social media or a newsletter to make sure you get the latest episodes as soon as they become available. Um, And as always, if you have a guest or anybody you'd like to see featured on this podcast, please shoot me an email at ryan at iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them on the show. Thanks again for listening to the IoT for All podcast and we'll see you next time.